You don't need to turn there, but in our responsive reading, we looked at Luke chapter 5. And in Luke chapter 5, it's an interesting situation. They're in the northern part of the Sea of Galilee, a little fishing village, perhaps Capernaum. We're not exactly sure of that, but they're up in the northern part. And here are some men that are fishermen, particularly uh, John, uh, James, uh, Peter, uh, fishermen up that northern part. And uh, these men are newly saved, newly born again. They, they really are just within a couple of weeks or months of, of uh, believing that the Lord Jesus Christ is Messiah, Mashiach. And as the people gathered around and crowded our Lord Jesus Christ, crowded them right to the edge of the sea, he said to these fishermen, send out a boat. And of course, uh, they did that. And uh, he was able to speak from the sea to the land, from the, this wonderful freshwater lake there, to the land. And the people could not press on him any longer so he could give his message. Following the message, he said, let's head out a little bit to deeper water. The Sea of Galilee is 180 feet deep in some areas, but uh, they had to press out a little bit from land so they could let their nets down. And essentially, you know the story of the Lord Jesus said, let down your net to bring in fish. And Peter says this, and, and I'm rounding it out, of course, you recognize that. He said, Lord, we know what we're doing. We are professional fishermen. Would you agree with that? Okay, good. Thank you. We have toiled all night. Essentially saying, we tried that. Then he makes one of the most amazing statements to me. Nevertheless, at thy word, I'll let down the net. You see, believing God's word, trusting God's word, is just simply doing what he says. Separating from all the sight, the sounds, even from your own wisdom. It's believing God's word and doing it. We read that in the book of Hebrews do we not? When he, Hebrew says, faith is the assurance of things expected. It's the conviction of things not seen. Remember, we read in Hebrews, by the word of God, the worlds were formed. You weren't there. You don't know. You have no clue. Oh, but science does. Something blew up somewhere and from this little primordial type slime, out came some amoeba, and here you are, seated here this morning fully clothed and in your right mind. (laughs) Listen, by the word of God, God said he created it. I believe it, that's it. It's over with. God said it. But you know what's more interesting than that? Even if you don't believe it, it's still settled. The uh, King David said this, I thought on my way and turned my feet to thy testimonies. See, your way is always doubtful. Unless it's based on the word of God, Yahweh is subject to failure. But God's way never is. Never. David also said this, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. He's the one who directs our steps. So in saying that, what's most important for the Christian, for the Christian life? If you're here this morning and do not know the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior, uh, follow along, listen. But I'm particularly talking to Christians because it's most important. What is the most important thing for a Christian? It's to know 
the will of God for my life. God has a direction for you. There's no question about that in the word of God. We read in the book of Ephesians, stop being, or literally, don't be a stop being unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. He wants you to know it. It's not a suggestion, it's a command. You have to know what God wants you to do. And that's one of the great tragedies in today's Christendom. A lot of Christians don't know what God wants them to do. And do I have the answer to that? Of course I do. It's simply because they don't look at the word of God. Because God's word is his direction for life. Turn with me to Colossians chapter 4. I'm so sorry I cannot put these words up on there. I'll let you in on that in just a minute. But Colossians chapter 4, if you would, please. Colossians chapter 4. Look at verse 12 with me. Colossians 4.12, Epaphras. Paul is writing to the church at Colossae. It's far west in Asia, to the southern part. It's right next to Laodicea. Uh, Paul is writing to this church. He's never been there, according to what we're able to ascertain. But he writes to them, and he says, Epaphras, in verse 12, Colossians 4.12, Epaphras, this gentleman that assisted Paul in all of his... uh, in a lot of his ministry journeys, he said, Epaphras, who is one of you, he's a Colossi, you're a servant of Christ, greeteth you always, laboring fervently for you in prayer, that you might stand perfect and complete, or your Bible may say mature, perfect and complete in all the will of God. He wants you complete in all the will of God. Now, please, please don't misunderstand me. Uh, head back to Colossians chapter 2, if you would. Colossians chapter 2, if you have a good Bible, it's on 1228, page 1228. We're in Colossians chapter 2. Look with me, please, at verse 8. Colossians 2, verse 8. The warning by the Apostle Paul to the church at Colossae, beware, reading from the King James Bible, beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. Then he goes on to say this, For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And verse 10, a wonderful statement by Paul through the Spirit of God, And you are complete in him, who is the head of all principalities and powers. You're complete in him. What does that mean to be complete in him? Well, you're a new creation. Having believed Christ as Savior, you're a new creation. Uh, Your salvation is secure. The indwelling Holy Spirit is there. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. He gives you illumination that you can understand the word of God. He gives you the word of God for sanctification, a life lived for him. We're complete in him. But what does the world say? Well, the world says, as as, uh, it does in our day, it did in Paul's day, that you are uh, not exactly complete in him. Why is that? The world wants a cause you to walk in instability. No ground, the ground shaking all around you. No ground, instability. He wants you to worry. I haven't done enough. I I, I haven't been enough. God says, no, you're complete in him. You're complete in him. You don't have to worry about that stuff. You're all set as far as being complete in him. But while you are complete in him, you may not necessarily be complete for him. We're talking about the will of God for your life now. That's why Epaphras prayed that you may stand complete in all the will of God. 
Though you're mature in him, you may not be mature for him as a believer. And that's what God's word is pointing out to us. And that's what I would like to deal with uh, today if I could. I have a little illustration because I can't put things up on the board here. This is a target, of course. Um, you may be familiar with targets. Uh, you can use them for bow and arrows or whatever you deem to hit the center of a target. And it's a wonderful thing. Uh, many, many, many years ago now, when I was a very young boy, I, uh, I was sent to a bad boys camp for a while. Okay, I got that over with. Okay. <laughs> and I was fairly good at archery. I practiced a lot of archery in my yard. Back then, we only had full recurve bows. We didn't have all the fancy stuff you have today. And uh, at bad boys camp, they were, not only were they teaching us to behave, they were teaching us a skill. And, and I was shooting against the Massachusetts state champion, Massachusetts junior state champion at this bad boys camp. And uh, we were a certain number of yards away, and I was so impressed with Bill Krosick, he was no better than I was. I was hitting the target one after another, and so wasn't he. He smiled at me because I was taunting him a little bit. That's why I was at the bad boys game. Uh, (laughs) But I was taunting him, and I said, and he said, let's back up. And I was doing okay, but he was still hitting the center. Then he said, let's back up some more. I was all around the outside, and he was still hitting the center. What was the difference? Practice. Practice. That's what he did all day, every day. Now, it's entirely possible that you may be uh, walking with the Lord and trying to honor the Lord with your life, and you're hitting the target, but the outside. God wants you aiming at the center. God wants you aiming at the center of his will. Not good enough. I'm a good enough Christian. No, God wants you aiming at the center of his perfect will. It's so interesting to me in the Greek. Do you know what the word sin is in the Greek? It's a missing of the mark. It's missing the target. And so when we're talking about the will of God now, we want to talk about this center here. The very center of God's will for your life. I don't know what it is for you. I have no idea. God does, though. God knows what he wants you to do. I know what God wants me to do. And I have to make sure I'm aiming at the center of that mark each time. So let's look at a couple of passages, if we could, uh, please. The Spirit of God gives us, through the Word of God, if you are born again, you have the Spirit of God indwelling, He gives you, through the Word of God, direction, insight, illumination. He will direct your will. Now, please understand, if you're walking with the Lord, if you're reading his word, then God's going to steer you in the right direction. I being in the way, the servant of uh, Abraham said, I being the way, the Lord led me. So if you're in God's way, if you're in God's word, God will direct you to the position he wants you in. But I realize that God has given unto us, according to 1 Peter 3, he's given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him. He's given us all things, everything we need for life and godliness. You possess in your hands through the word of God. Say, well, I don't know what God wants. Start reading. Start reading. As a New Testament Christian, get in the book of Romans, read through. 
Get in the book of Romans, read through. Get in the book of Romans, read through. If you want to know what God wants for you as a New Testament born-again believer, get in there. If you want to see how God dealt with the nation of Israel and his people, how he, how he directed them for his perfect will, get in the Old Testament. But recognize what God wants from us. He wants us to be in the center of his will. Head with me to Hebrews 13 for a moment, please. Hebrews 13. Hebrews 13. Look, please, at verses 20 and 21. Right of Hebrews is saying in 13, 20, and 21, Now may the God of peace that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus Christ, the great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, God thinks highly of our Lord Jesus Christ, the living Son of God. Now notice he says, make you perfect in every good work to do his will, working in you that which is well-pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. God is working in you. He wants to point you to his direct will for your life. Not that you flounder around around the outside of the target, but rather you center on the center of the target. I want to know what God wants from me. My wife has a calendar. Actually, at our age, we have several calendars laying around the house with instructions on all of them for each and every day. Why? There's no hope without them. No hope. We, um, I won't even get into that. But anyway, we, 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 uh, we have to look at the... We have to look at the target for the day. We have to look at uh, what we're supposed to be doing at this hour or that hour, for doing something for someone or something for ourselves or something essential concerning our lives. Every day we have to look at that. It's equally important to look at God's word every day for the center of his will. It's more important to look at God's, what does God want me to do? What, is, what, what would God have me to do? And the only way you can know that is through the Word of God, the reading and memorization of the Word of God. It's the only way. There's no other way. You'll miss the target every time if you're not looking at the Word of God. A few weeks ago, uh, a very close family member called me a dinosaur. Whoa. And, you know, when someone says something, corrective criticism it was, it's corrective criticism. But when someone says something to me, I always ask the Lord, always, I ask the Lord, after I calm down a little bit, I always ask the Lord, Lord, if this is true, help me to change. Just help me to change. If it's not true, help me to love them and really to just forgive them so it's not a, a big deal. Now, as I examined myself, I had to admit this is partially true. I'm a dinosaur. Concerning electronics, communication, computers, cell phones, even the gadgets in my car, forget it. I'm, I'm helpless. I can't even put the right date on my watch. I can't, and I understand that. When it gets to the world of politics, people, banking, the unregenerated millennial thinking, I, I, I don't understand. I, I really don't. I'm, I'm a brontosaurus. 
And though the world, the world has completely changed, and I cannot keep up with it, and in many ways I will not keep up with it, I actually don't even fit anymore in many ways. I recognize that. But though the world has changed, God's word has not changed. And I will never, ever compromise that, ever in my life. I'm, no matter who it hurts, unfortunately, no matter who it turns off, I'm not changing. Why? Because God doesn't change. He doesn't change his word at all. Let me read a couple verses for you, please. In Malachi, I am the Lord thy God. I change not. Nancy and I... Um, when we go to Florida, we do very little when we go to Florida, except we do a lot of walking. Man, what a boring person I am. We walk. But one of the places we walk is through a swampland. It's, it's a national park, through a, a state park, through a swampland. And there's just a, about the size of this aisle here, a, a walkway that used to be a railroad track, I believe. And it's between two swamps, dense with vegetation and, and, and birds and Animals, there's raccoons and snakes, and there's all kinds of things there. Fascinating. You see birds stabbing fish in the woods. Well, we were walking this past June, and there it was, in the middle of the path, sunning itself, an alligator. Ten-plus feet long. 500-plus feet. 500-plus uh, pounds. I'm not exaggerating, not even a step. Laying in the middle of the path. He's not moving. <laughs> you are. When it comes to God's word, he's not moving. You are. It always goes back to the word of God. Numbers, chapter 23. God said, God is not a man that he should... Uh, let me read that again. God is not a man that he should lie, or the son of man that he should change his mind. Has he said it, and will he not do it? Or has he spoken it, and will he not fulfill it? Forever, O Lord, the psalmist said, is thy word settled in heaven. The Lord Jesus Christ said, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. In Hebrews 13:8, the Lord Jesus Christ is the same yesterday today, and forever. If that's God's word, and if that's what God said, and he did, and if that's what he means, and he does, then what am I to do to know the will of God, get into the word of God? He's not changing. He's not changing. Now, we, we recognize that God's word is, is, is all inspired of God. It's all God breathed. We recognize that. So it's what God wants from us. Paul said the word of God are words of truth and soberness. No matter what the whacked out world does, I go back to God's word, truth, and soberness. No matter what they think, I go back to God's word for truth and soberness. Because you must admit, you must admit the world around, the wheels have fallen off. The wheels have just fallen off. When you hear of the thinking of people, here they are, in some of the highest offices in the land, 
saying things that are so contrary to God's word, it brings tears to your eyes. Running the country, it's frightening. And yet, we go back to God's word, truth and soberness. God's still in control. God's still in charge. God can still change their mind according to his perfect will. But all God wants me to do is focus on who I am. Then we read in Philippians 2.16, God's words are the words of life. In Romans chapter 8, we won't turn there for sake of time, but in Romans chapter 8 and verse 29, the very center of God's will is for us to be conformed to the image of his son. That's the very center. Am I conformed to the image of God's son? Remember, the scriptures tell us, don't, do not be conformed to this world, Romans chapter 12. Stop being conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. See, there's still a work to do. It's not just because you're complete in him, just because you're assured in him, just because you have eternal life in him, does not mean the job is done. That's it. I just sit back. No, no, no. God has something for you to do. And that's to walk according to his word. It's to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. How does that work? It works through the word of God. God has a purpose. Head with me, please, to the book of Colossians, chapter 1. Colossians, chapter 1. We were just there in Colossians, chapter 1. And look with me, please, at Colossians, chapter 1. This is such an interesting passage of Scripture. In verse 9, Paul's been praying for the church at Colossae. And I'm reading in verse 9 of Colossians, chapter 1. For this cause, we also, since the day we heard of it, heard of what? Their salvation, that they came to Christ since the day we heard of it. Do not cease to pray for you and desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. The knowledge of God's will requires spiritual understanding. You can't figure it out. You can't put down a flow chart. You can't come up with an answer when you ask, Whatever that girl's name is in the little tube on your table, you, you, can't, you can't, Siri, that's it, yeah. You cannot, you cannot know God's will by asking anyone else but God. He's the only one that will work. The only one. How? Spiritual understanding. You can't live like the devil and know the will of God. You have to turn your thinking to his ways. You have to or you will not know the will of God for your life. And you'll always hit around the edge of the target, or perhaps miss the target completely. And what does that lead to? That leads to a life of misery. Believe me, I've been there. Unsettled. Everything bothers you. There's no love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, self-control. It's, it's, all, it's all a wash. Why? Because I'm centered on me and not walking in the power of the Spirit of God. In the book of Ephesians, Paul says this, and he's challenging slaves, he's challenging those people that are under duress in some way to, to financial crisis, he says to this, doing the will of God, not with eye service as men pleases, but as the servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. You see, it takes spiritual understanding, and it takes a... a, a, a a surrendered life to Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. Lord, I want to do your will. But it takes one more step. 
I'm willing to do your will. I'm willing to do it. Whatever it is, Lord. And sometimes it's hard. It may be giving up that thing that you think is so precious. That might be keeping you from the will of God. It might be something in your life that's keeping you from the will of God that when you're asking the Lord, if you do it with a sincere heart, if you ask it uh, with reading the word of God with, in a spiritual understanding, God might take some things from you that are in his way of guiding you and directing you. And he'll remove them from your life. And that, in that way, God will direct you toward the center of the target. Remember, the word of God is living and powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It's able to do it. Say, I don't know, Pastor Bill. I've been trying my whole life, and I'm having a difficult time. That's because you are doing it. If God does it, it's a whole different story. If God does it, it's a whole different story. All scripture, all of it, is God-breathed. It's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. For what reason? That the man of God may be completely furnished or equipped for all good works. You see, it still needs to be practiced. You're complete in him. Yes, you have the Holy Spirit. You're going to heaven. And that's wonderful. And we thank the Lord for that every day. Uh, I'm secure in my salvation. But am I doing what the Lord would have me to do? Or am I sitting back just being secure in my salvation? And unfortunately, many, many Christians, that's the, that's the target for them. If I can just stick the arrow somewhere in the target, I'll be happy. Well, the answer is, yeah, you'll stick the arrow in the target, but you won't be happy because you're out of the will of God. Um, a lot, of, a lot are looking for the outer fringes. Paul said this to the uh, Corinthian church because that's what they were doing. They were looking at the outer fringes of the target. He says, all things are lawful for me, but all things are not necessary. All things are lawful for me, but all things don't edify me. Are you busy with the world? It's okay. You know, we're all busy. But that might not be, or I put it this way, it is not edifying. John said, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, are not of the Father, but are of the world. And the world's going to pass away, and all of those things, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. God wants us centered on his word. Now, you know this. If you've been here one Sunday, you know this. Pastor Rob deals with that every single Sunday. But can I show you an example, if I could, please? Head with me to the book of the Revelation. Now, you know exactly where I'm going. This is a New Testament example, Revelation chapter 2. Now, remember, we're talking about the church in Ephesus. In Revelation chapter 2, this is the church Paul wrote to and said, be not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. This is the church that Paul wrote to about spiritual edification and sanctification and, and the will of God. Paul wrote all these things to these people. And we have a couple generations later. And listen, if you would, please, to a missing of the mark. 
Paul is writing, of course, he says um, to the church at Ephesus, I'm sorry, John is writing to the church at Ephesus in verse 1. Now, verse 2, this is the Lord speaking. He said, I know thy works and thy labor and thy patience and how you cannot bear them that are evil. And you've tried them that say the apostles and are not and have found them liars. That's, 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 that's a good thing. That's a wonderful thing. There's a lot of people willing to talk about politics, and I'm unwilling anymore. Please do not bring politics up in my presence ever again. Ever again. I will spin on my heels and walk the other way when you do it. Why? Because most of it is just plain disgusting. I would rather talk to you about the ice that's coming later in the week than politics. It's just, it's all so discouraging. It's all so disgusting. But... I have opinion, you have opinion on it, and that's wonderful. Those things are okay. And if you're upset with it, that can be okay as long as you don't take it outside of the realm. But realize what, what the apostle's saying. You have borne and has patience for my name's sake. You have labored and not fainted. This is so interesting, labored and not fainted. I have a little plaque in my office at home. Um, it was given to me by the wife of a man who was one of my dearest friends on earth, Dr. J.O. Percy. And this plaque says, activity in the king's business does not make up for neglect of the king. Wow. Every time I see that, I shudder. Activity in the king's business does not make up for neglect of the king. See, you can come here every day and work as hard as you can, painting and do whatever it is you're going to do. You can come here every single day. It means nothing if you neglect the king. It's wood, hay, and stubble. Let's continue on, if we could, please. Look, if you please, in verse 3. Verse 4. Nevertheless, I have something against you. You see, that's the missing of the mark, isn't it? The center of God's will is doing everything he said. That's right. That's what you're supposed to do. But you're missing something, something very vital to hitting the center of the target. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against you because you have left your first love. See, service for the king became a duty and not a delight. Service for the king became something that you do, you practice, and it wasn't part of the heart. God wants us centered on his perfect will for our lives. It's so easy to get caught up, so easy to get caught up in the world. I, I, I don't know about you. I have a cell phone. My family is frustrated with me most of the time. I don't look at it. I leave it places, sometimes on purpose, sometimes not. Uh, I, I'm just so bothered by it. Sometimes I'm talking to people, and I know what I have to say isn't that important, but I'm talking to people, and I, I notice them do this. Did you ever notice that? that that's one of the saddest things on, on earth. I just want to stop talking and just walk away. It's like when you go to the store and you're talking to a clerk or whoever it is, and the phone rings. He says, just a minute. He picks up the phone and answers it. 
Just a minute, sir, I was here first. My conversation is equally as important as that person on the end of that line. And that's the way I feel about cell phones. You're meeting with people and hardly anyone's listening to what you're saying. Why they're looking at What's on there exactly, I do not know. I cannot know because I'm not interested in it. But listen, God wants you not focusing on those things. If you have time to read Facebook, you have time to read his word. And that's what God wants from you. Spend as much time on God's word as you do that thing and see where that brings you. It'll bring you closer to the will of God, won't it? It has to. Why? Because God's word says. Here's a wonderful thing about verse 5 now, and I need to close very quickly. Remember, therefore, John, writing through the inspiration of the Spirit of God, the word of God, remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, and repent. Stop missing the mark. Stop sinning. Head for the sin of God's will. Remember then for, from when you are falling <coughs> and do the first will, works, or else I will come unto thee quickly and remove thy lampstand out of its place, except you repent. One of the saddest things in the history of Christendom was the great church at Ephesus had their lampstand removed. doesn't mean they lost their salvation, but the church went into the world and had the world flood them, and there's no longer, or there was no longer, a decent church in Ephesus. Why? Because they weren't willing to cast off the world and get back to their first love, the Lord Jesus Christ. And that could be happening to some of us today. It could be happening to you. I trust it isn't. I don't want it to happen to me. I don't want to be concerned with the things of the world and give up the things of Christ. Well, how do I do that? Well, Paul tells us, he's talking uh, to Timothy very, very plainly. He says, study, Timothy, sir, study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. The, the word of truth is it, it requires study. It's really from the word to uh, agonize over, to, to, to get into God's word, study it. I don't know what it means. Well, you have the same Holy Spirit I do. Get a, get a concordance. Get a book. Now, I'm going to say this in, don't refute me later. I don't feel so good. But uh, Get a book. Don't look it up on the phone. Why? Because it'll go beep, you know, and then, oh, you know, and you've you got to scroll and look for who some people, someone said something that really will change your life forever. no. Put that down. Get a concordance. I want to know what God says about... Get a concordance. Look up every time God says that. Wherever he says it. Let's say the big divorce. Look up every place God talks about divorce. Look up every place that God talks about love. Look up every place God says these words. Look up every place in your Bible. Shut the thing off. The little black box, shut that off, look up in the word of God, and when you're done, you'll know what God wants from you concerning that subject. When you're done. But it requires work. It requires work, labor in the word of God. 
Because the word of God is the truth of God. Remember the Lord Jesus Christ said, sanctify them, set them apart by thy truth. Thy word is truth. Because the word of God is truth, we recognize that that's what we need to fix on. If you look up in the book of Proverbs, a passage that's stunning, he says, buy the truth and sell it not. It's not for sale. It's not for sale to the world. It's not for sale to that phone. God's word is not for sale. I will not give up the word of God for anything else in this world. Why? Because God's word is my direction. I need to be into the word of God. You know, it's interesting in the day we live in, because I know you're supposed to be politically correct, and that's another dinosaur reptilian tendency of mine. I don't want to be politically correct. I want to be truthfully correct. I'm not looking to impress anyone. First of all, it's over with, right? (laughs) How could I impress anyone about anything? I don't care about that anymore. I don't want to do that. I want God's word to be the center of my thinking. Is it always? Am I perfect? Of course not. Ask Nance right after the service. She'll let you know. No, she won't. She's too great a woman to say anything bad about me. But recognize God's word, God's word is what I want to focus on. Do I always do it? No, no, not always. But that's where my heart wants to be all the time, centered on the word of God. 